Hello, and welcome to the Gestalt IT Spotlight podcast, where each episode we shine a spotlight on an interesting topic in technology and have a lively discussion about it. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am part of the Gestalt IT family, and today we are joined by some experts in the field to get things kicked off. And I'd like to have them introduce themselves real quick so that you know who they are. Jason? Hi, I'm Jason Benedicic, independent consultant from the UK. You can find me on Twitter at jbenedicic. Drew? Hi, I'm Drew Conry-Murray. I podcast and write at packetpushers.net. You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. Jeremy? Hi, my name is Jeremy Shulman. I head up network automation at Major League Baseball, and you can find me on Twitter at Network Automaniac. And Alessandro. Hey, I'm Alessandro Falgarcia, technical marketing engineer at Nginx slash five. And you can find me on Twitter at A-L-E-S-S-F-G, A-L-E-S-S-F-G. All right, thank you very much for joining us today, folks. Um, let's go ahead and get kicked off with the uh, topic for the Spotlight podcast. Unless you've been living under a rock for the last several years, you probably are familiar with the Application Programming Interface, or API. It is becoming a standard way for us to interface not only with software, but with devices that run that software. We are trying to do magical things with APIs now, but not all APIs are created equal. And as we begin to develop more and more around APIs and their ability to be accessed, we're finding that we're hitting some limitations, which means we have to develop new thoughts and new ways to do it. And one of the latest is a real-time API. But is real-time API all it's cracked up to be? In fact, in this spotlight, is real-time API just a fad? Now, Alessandro, you're kind of our expert here because of your work at Nginx. I would like you to kind of kick this off and give us a highlight of real-time APIs and, and what they mean to you. Okay, sure. Um, so first let's say what a real-time API is. Real-time API is an API that can process an end-to-end -end request in, well, here at Nginx we say around 30 milliseconds, but you know, you can take it a little bit of higher, 50, 60 milliseconds. And uh, well, the short answer is that no, it's not a fad, and I will tell you why, very simply put. Say you have I write your app, call it Uber, Lyft, whatever. You have a driver, you have a customer. You have to make sure that the driver can report their location basically in real time to the customer so that the customer knows where to expect to drive, that well, the car. And uh, well, you know, if your API takes, or your series of APIs take, couple seconds to process, well, this couple seconds could be the difference between the driver just taking the right turn in some place and being somewhere else or a customer missing their car for whatever misalignment reason. So I think maybe a good question here would be, you know, we have had APIs for years. I can remember reading about them all the way back in the days of Windows 3.1. Um, what has gotten us to the point of these real-time APIs? And what do we contrast them against? Because there's probably terminology that people have heard about things like RESTful APIs. Now, Jeremy, you've done a lot of work in this space on both sides of the fence. What is it about a real-time API that, that differentiates itself from traditional stuff, at, like let's just say a RESTful API? 
Sure. So I think what Alessandro is saying is that a real-time API matters when the response, the responsiveness is at stake, right? So some people might look at network automation tasks and say, I don't care how long it takes as long as it's done within a minute or two. And some people might be trying to get data out of a system and they need to have the responsiveness within, say, within a second, because seconds matter to what they're looking at. You know, if you're working on a lifetime or a, a life critical system versus a non-life critical system. So I think you know where it matters is, is the responsiveness, as, as Alessandra said. And by and large, the question for most network engineers might be is, is what well, does this really matter to me based on the types of use cases I have, and I would say that it might, and it, and it could. Okay, I think that's probably pretty fair because a lot of people who are on the infrastructure side of the house are just used to this idea that APIs are eventually consistent. Um, I tell it to do a thing, and eventually I'll get an email or a message back in my platform that goes succeeded or failed, and then I have to go dig that out. But as you said, when we start getting into applications, into software that is more mission critical, whether it's um, you know running a medical system or trying to land a rocket on a barge in the middle of nowhere, um, milliseconds count. Uh, now, Jason, I, I wanted to toss this to you a little bit because I'm sure you've had a lot of experience working with APIs from your perspective. Is it really necessary to have real-time API um, feedback in, in your line of work? So it kind of depends. And I know that's a really stock answer and I hate it, but it's about the user experience, right? If, if it's my bank or a financial application, I would like that real-time feedback. If somebody has just fraudulently used my card, I would like to know as soon as it happens. Um, and that's kind of one of the areas I expect that um, real-time APIs would make a really big difference and a huge benefit. And, and like the example Alessandro gave of ride sharing apps or uh, food delivery, um, if I need to know when they're going to be at my front door so I can pick it up, then that's important for me, right? But in the day-to-day -day world, especially where I came from in, as being an infrastructure engineer, um, I don't really mind if I'm telling something to be configured in a way, as long as it's finished by the time I've finished a coffee, it, it's kind of okay. And then in things where the reporting aspects or the, the feedback aspects, I'm asking for a lot of data. I might want a, a report that comes in an email later. So I don't have that need for it if it's not critical to me. And I think that's probably a good point is most things that people want to know about from a real-time API are very discrete data points. When's my Uber driver going to get here? When has this record been updated? They don't want everything to show up all at once in real time. And I think the other question that I have for you, Alessandra, being someone who's, who's developed this is, what are the trade-offs of going to a real-time API? Because I know that as a network engineer, if I want things to run really fast, I have to give something else up in order to give that speed. So what are people looking at if they're gonna say, oh, well, I'll just use a real-time API for all the things? Well, that's a good question. Um, and it will depend on how you implement your real-time APIs at the end of the day. There's a very easy way to get a real-time API, a cheaper real-time API, which would be to simply have very 
simple, I guess, API with that process like one request at a time sends back very small amount of data that will take milliseconds to process. And, you know, for some stuff that might be fine for some apps or some of your requirements that might be fine. But as you grow in complexity and you need more APIs and you need APIs that can process more data at the same time, then uh, depending on how you have configured your whole API ecosystem, it might not be possible to achieve a very low latency per se, unless you do some very, uh, I was gonna say hard, but not really, unless you really spend some time optimizing your whole infrastructure. So what you're telling me is, is that I can't just turn things on and hope that it works out for the best because I know what that feels like in networking. Oh, hey, BGP and ISIS are really inefficient protocols because they were written for networking gear 10 years ago. I'm going to completely rewrite this routing protocol. And then I find out that when it has to exchange messages at a certain size that everything falls apart. Uh, Drew, you know, you and I have a lot of background in the networking space, and I think that that's one of the things that we've seen, especially with the ad advent of cloud, is that certain things don't scale very well when you get them to a certain size. What are your concerns about real-time APIs as, as we get into this world of, you know, too much data versus not enough, too much responsiveness versus maybe it will eventually show up? I guess my concern is being able to, do you have the monitoring and traceability infrastructure in place to understand if you need real time APIs um, and you're not getting them, who's at fault? Is it a network issue? Is it an issue in your API gateway? Is it the way your application has been architected and the microservices and how they're working together? So trying to figure out, try, uh, my feeling is that initially people are gonna blame the network um, talking about whether you when you need a real-time API and we have to make sure we're not just leaving it as a network problem. It's, you have to look at the whole infrastructure behind it as well. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that, that you have to take into consideration. I mean, it's just like um, Amazon Web Services Storage. There are lots of options and they all have a very specific fit. And if you pick the wrong one, you're either gonna be really upset at the performance or really upset at the bill. And, and we have to make sure that we, we match those kinds of things. That's so, the other thing, if I can just interrupt you, Tom, is you have to, when we're talking about real-time APIs, the, the main thing that's come up here with everybody is it's really use case dependent. Uh, if you need it and you have a business case for it, be prepared to pay up for it. And uh, again, put the correct support around it. So I guess the next question that I have for this, because we've been looking at this from the perspective of people who are using the applications, who um, you know need that, that instant data, but they're not the only people who have to interact with these things because Lord knows there are developers out there. <laughs> so what advantages does having a real-time API give for developers? Sure, I mean, I'll take a stab at that. I was thinking about this. You know, it, bringing it back to the world of network engineering or network automation, you know, we hear two two things in the market right now. One is streaming telemetry, for example. So if you have all these devices that are sending data somewhere, right? That somewhere has to ingest that data and process it very quickly. And so this is where you might find, uh, say a load balancer that is front ending a whole bunch of real-time API so that it can kind of ingest and chew that data. And then each of those systems in the back end are processing that into some you know data lake whether it's a time series database or some kind of custom reporting so i think what you're asking tom is is you know from from a developer's point of view if i'm sending data somewhere how responsive can that back end system process it 
So streaming telemetry is very top of mind. And then the second one, uh, which is a longstanding issue, is just like think of syslogs. You know, we have all these devices sending syslogs. Is is syslogs an interesting you know way to look at the use of of a real time API and a load balancing system? Yeah, I think you're right, Jeremy. And and one of the things that I was thinking about from a developer's perspective that we run into a lot is if I'm setting up an application to pull something somewhere. How much do I pull it? Do I pull it every five seconds because I really want the data? Do I pull it every five minutes because I don't really care? Um, a lot of times we have to ask ourselves this question, what would happen in the intervals if I don't get that? Conversely, if I'm setting it to pull much, much faster, I have to worry about consuming CPU resources in order to, to send that pull request. Um, I'm consuming bandwidth whenever I do that. Whereas with a real-time API that is automatically updating as it goes along, I don't have to worry about setting up that, that interaction. It'll just, it'll send me the data when it's ready. It's almost uh, in a way like push email. I don't have to keep checking my email. It's going to show up no matter what. I think what's one of the important things for developers is that we're now making sure that they have to think in a different way. Um, when we're thinking about real-time API, we have to think about what's going to be making the acknowledgements, where that data is going to be persisted. It may not be that you're going to persist it all the way down to a database to give that response. It might be that you are better off giving that response from a event broker or a message-based system um, where we know that the message has been received and acknowledged, but it might not have been written to disk yet, or it might not have been written to a data store, a database or, or you know, those kinds of things. And if you've got that asynchronicity in your application, that eventual consistency, you can make things at the API layer a lot quicker um, but you also have to have some trade-offs of if it's something where I want to be able to report on it within a period of time, there may be some delay in that. And I think that gets back to the conversation that we were having earlier is, you know, people expect a real-time experience, but we've all been internet citizens long enough to know that nothing is truly real-time depending on how far you're sending those packets. So what is an acceptable real-time experience. I know, Alessandro, you said that that in your definition, it's 30 milliseconds or less, but, you know, some users are used to, you know, hundreds of milliseconds of latency to get a request back and forth. So are we looking at a situation where as long as it's sub-second, everybody's fine? Um, and, and can we tweak those parameters to kind of, you know, offset resource utilization versus, um, you know, I have to know right now? And really depends on what your application is. And whether you're, uh, I guess you could say like a B2B business or you're like a customer facing business in the end. If you're a customer facing business, then uh, any performance gain you can get in your APIs versus some other competitor, it's going to be mission critical because, you know, if you have two apps that do the same thing, you're going to choose. Well, no, it's not the only thing that matters, but if they're very feature wise, they have a huge parity you're probably going to choose the app that takes like, I don't know, a minute to do whatever you were trying to achieve, be that like order a car, order food, or, you know, check your latest flight information versus the app that takes five minutes, which might be an exaggeration, maybe just like 10 minutes to do the same thing. You're naturally going to tend to use the more responsive application and in turn, you're more bound to recommend that app or system to your colleagues and friends. 
Uh, if it's a B2B business, things are a little bit more finicky, then maybe I guess you could see, you could say that for some use cases, anything sub one second will be fine. But it also then again depends on what you're doing. Say Zoom, that we're, which we're using right now to record this podcast. You know, it takes, if the latency has to be minimal, it takes the human eye like around 30 milliseconds to process new images. Uh, 20 milliseconds to synchronize the video you're seeing and the audio that you're hearing in your brain. If you start introducing more latency to that, that's when you can start experiencing some like weird uh, audio video issues or you know you say something and then it takes a couple seconds for whoever you're speaking with to get back at you because you know just that uh, native latency between both of you. Yeah, I think I there's there's also another area going back to the developer question. If you're interacting with another system that has an expectation of responsiveness, then the systems that you're building may require a real-time API. You know, for example, um, I've been doing a lot with chatbots, and the way that the chatbot server system, like say Slack, for example, it's expecting to respond back within like say 300 milliseconds or whatnot, or you get this kind of timeout message, you know, in, in the chat. So your back end, the software that you write has to be responsive. Otherwise it's going to break the user experience to Jason's point. So it, it's not always just about the systems that you're making, but the systems that you're interacting with as well. And I think that that's actually a really good point because that's the next thing I, I think is an important thing to discuss. So we talked about user experience, we talked about developer experience, but there's a big looming thing out there that we need to talk about, which is technical debt. So just because this is the new hotness does not mean that there's not a whole bunch of old stuff out there that's hanging out. And if you've ever tried to write something in RESTful APIs, you, you know what I'm talking about. Those are not going to go away today because we have something new and cool because software has to be rewritten, refactored and, and all that other stuff. So I guess the big question that we have now is let's just assume that real-time APIs are not a fad. And we, okay, we've blown the premise of the podcast away. What does it take to refactor your applications to use real-time APIs? And does it make sense to chuck things like RESTful out the door because this is better in every way and how do we convince the business stakeholders to say, hey, remember how we told you that we were going to cost like, you know, a million dollars to write that app last week? Yeah, we're going to have to spend another $500,000 to rip out this part that you don't really care about because this is actually just a little bit better. Um, can we get rid of this technical debt? And should we even get rid of this technical debt? I feel like uh, <clears throat> I'm repeating everything that everybody else has said, but it depends. Like, if you've got an application and it does fine at 300 milliseconds and you're going to go to the business and say, we need to spend X amount of dollars and Hey, we'll get you a 10 X improvement to 30 milliseconds, but it's fine at 300. Is that investment really worth it? I guess it comes back down to what your customers are expecting, what your end users are expecting, what your partners are expecting. And that's, it can't just be that this is the cool new thing. There's got to be a business driver behind it. Yeah. But I think, I think business drivers could be somewhat, um, I don't want to say the word obvious, but, you know, if you look at, say, for example, ticket sales, like, you know, say for sporting, sporting events, you know, if, if I'm a consumer and I want to buy a ticket and there's a thousand other people that want to buy tickets, you know, we're all competing for buying a ticket, then the responsiveness of an API and that user experience really matters. And I think you can translate that use case to, you know, probably a lot of other things like, you know, if we ever get to go to concerts again, for example, you know, that would be great. Um, 
it, it does get get to that. But I think, Tom, you're asking somewhat of a different question. Or at least I think you are. And I'm, I'm really kind of hoping Alessandra might share a little bit more insight into how a real-time API differs from a REST API in the sense of the way a developer would have experienced it. Because like say with a REST API, I could say, well, give me some data. I make a GET request. And how I form that GET request, you know, is, is you know, some URL and, and then the server responds to it. Um, and, and whether or not that happens quickly or not quickly, we could talk about that as responsiveness. But I'm curious how, Alessandra, you would frame that uh, programmer experience slightly differently for REST versus a uh, real-time API, because there's a lot of people that might not know that, that nuance. And that would help answer Tom's question. Well, um, to be probably, I guess, not really honest, but uh, to make things clearer, real-time API can be a RESTful API. Real-time API would just really add what a real-time API entails is having a RESTful API or SOAP API, it doesn't matter whatever API language you're using that can keep up with that, like, let's call it a 30, 50 millisecond performance. It can act in what would be perceived as real time for all of us. From a developer point of view, all that means is that really, if you're making a get request or, you know, sending a post or a put to whatever your RESTful endpoint is, It'll basically almost feel instantaneous. You will just send your request and just like that, you'll have your answer come back to you, which to add on to previous point about developer productivity, if every, if all the APIs would be, if we had all APIs be real time, then, uh, you know, there'd be no more stepping aside, I guess, for like a coffee break or lunch break while yours trying to process some amount of data or get some data back from whatever endpoint you're querying, which I guess for large data sets, you know, that's probably not visible, but uh, you know, day to day, any API request can take maybe like four or five seconds. If you reduce that to 30 milliseconds or even like one second, and you're a developer that interacts with APIs constantly, those four seconds you're saving will add up very fast and will really just allow you to develop whatever thing you're developing so much faster. And also, you know, everybody likes to get a response whenever they ask for some data or process some data. So they also feel probably a little bit happier. I, I think I though, going back to, to Tom's question though, is, is like, what's the business impact of going from say uh, a traditional rest api to something that is is real time right what what's you know what is is it worth it you know is is the juice worth the squeeze for that and and i think as developers or application people are building newer and better features using a real time api as a kind of a front end gatekeeper almost as a as an api routing mechanism can shield the differences and changes within apis because what I've experienced over the years dealing with APIs is an API will change from version to version, and generally that that can break somebody's code. You know, so if if, if an API goes from version one to version two, and I've written ten thousand lines of code against version one, I'm like, great. How much? You know, what's what's the impact of going to version two? Can I even do it? How long is it going to take me? Is it going to cause a whole bunch of bugs? 
And maybe there's an aspect of real-time APIs that could address that risk. And, and that's what I'm kind of curious about. I was going to uh, draw back onto to part of the question there about, you know, if you're going to spend that extra money or is there going to be um, the, the legacy, let's call it like maybe the monoliths or something. The thing about API services and the good thing that, that comes from this is that you don't have to do every method. You don't have to do every call. You could take one part of your legacy and improve it. You could take the part that is responsive for reporting, for example, and improve that. And you're fronting that with some newer services and then calling back into your legacy afterwards. Um, you don't have to do this all at once, that you can take it the most important pieces at a time. Um, and then it, it's not a huge upfront cost. All right. Um... I think we're just about to the point where we want to wrap this conversation up. We've had a lot of great discussion about um, APIs, you know, what the differences are, how, how they're constructed, and, and really what the future looks like. I, I think that, you know, based on what Alessandro said, I, I can firmly say that APIs are def real-time APIs are definitely not a fad. Um, I think the bigger question is going to be adoption. Are people going to start um, using them? Are people going to start embracing them? I mean, as Alessandro said just now, uh, they can function as RESTful APIs. So, I mean, I think I don't think there's a huge programming gap to get over, but I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, buying a new car. It does everything my old car used to do. Oh, and it has all these new features that I really wish that I could take advantage of. And then a couple of years from now, you're like, I don't know how I could ever live without it. So maybe I think the question for most people is going to be, where can I go to learn a little bit more about real-time APIs? Um, Alessandro, since you are well, our guest from Nginx, are there some resources that they can go to to learn more about real-time APIs with, with what you guys are doing? Okay, yeah. if you go to your blog, nginx.com slash blog, then do a slash tag slash real-time API with dashes between real-time API. You'll find our whole series of blog posts that we've written uh, and uh, some uh, third party benchmarks and you know, third party analysis analysts have also written some uh, blog posts and you can find uh, all the relevant information you could ever wish to get started on your real time API journey. Awesome. And we'll make sure that that URL is in the show notes so that it's clickable for all of you who are listening and watching along at home. All right, well, that should just about wrap up this discussion. Uh, thank you very much to our guests for joining us today. Uh, it was great. Uh, we learned a lot, and we were very glad that we were able to shine a spotlight on real-time APIs. Uh, for more great podcasts like this and more great technical topics, please head over to our website at gestaltit.com. We have a variety of content that's aimed at the practitioner for you to uh, learn about things that you need to know about and implement things that you should be using. Uh, but for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for all of our great guests, and for the rest of our Gestalt IT community, we wish you a good day.